and welcome all of those joining us online. I bring you greetings from, yes, the 177th Annual Conference of the United Methodist Church in the Northern Illinois Conference, and that is the annual meeting of all 350, 375 churches in the Northern Illinois Conference that make up this annual conference. And yes, um, a nice 30-hour vacation of working mostly nonstop and sitting in uncomfortable chairs. So yeah, no, um, not, not quite vacation, but a very good uh, annual conference this year, and I'll share some of what uh, we covered there uh, later in our announcements. So uh, our scripture today from Hebrews 12 will be on the screen from the Common English Version. Hear these words from the preacher of Hebrews. So then, let's also run the race that is laid out in front of us. Since we have such a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let's throw off any extra baggage, get rid of the sin that trips us up, fix our eyes on Jesus, faith's pioneer and perfecter. He endured the cross, ignoring the shame for the sake of the joy that was laid out in front of him and sat down at the right side of God's. Rome. God bless the reading of the word today. Let's have a word of prayer as we begin. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to gather today. We thank you for the many gifts we have been given. We ask that you continue to help us in our race, give us strength and endurance in all that we do. Allow us now to hear these words as we continue to delve into the sermon that is Hebrews. Allow us to hear your word for our lives today. We pray this in your holy name. Amen. Now, growing up, I can, well, period, I've never run a marathon. Never run a marathon. I have walked the equivalent of a marathon. I have biked the equivalent of a marathon. Uh, I have never run a marathon. I did run in junior high track and I sprinted. That was okay. I like to sprint very short distances very quickly and then go sit down. That was that was my goal. Not much for running long distances, but a, a, as much as I did not particularly like to run long distances, my brother liked it even less. My brother was not one for physical activity if he didn't have to do it. So you can imagine when he decided to start running marathons for and with his girlfriend, we figured she was probably a keeper. My sister-in-law, Dr. Nancy Lay, is a marathon runner. She's been running marathons as long as I've known her and she has run and set pace for the Chicago Marathon many times. And she has a goal, awesome goal. She's a very goal-driven person. We talked a lot about goals last week. She has a goal of running a marathon in all 50 states. I have a goal of going to all 50 states. Just, just like stepping foot in, like not even a goal of eating a cheeseburger in all 50 states. I'm like, I just like to see them. 
I didn't even give myself something like to do, like, you know, fill up at a gas station in all 50 states. She has a goal of running a marathon in all 50 states. That's pretty awesome. She has done it in 13. It's pretty impressive. She figures by the time I think she's 55, she'll be able to have done it. It's a good goal. So we're talking about running the race, and I have some wisdom from my sister-in-law today to help us understand that. So we're talking about running the race. And this beautiful, I I called an epistle last week. Well, I I got some schooling at annual conference. We always have a short Bible study at annual conference. Because. And two of my professors from seminary, Jack Seymour and Margaret Ann Crane, two people I respect immensely, actually preached on Hebrews 11, which is the lead up to Hebrews 12, which we are talking about about today and they did a lot of background and they said this is really a sermon it's not a letter it's a long sermon but it's a sermon and so the writer of the hebrews is a preacher and this is a beautiful sermon and so the words we talked about last week from the preacher were setting goals in the race of our faith what is our goal our goal is jesus christ that is where we are running to we are running every day closer and closer to be the likeness of christ in our lives, in our world, in our churches. That is our goal. And we have this great, you know, these great people on our left and on our right as we're running this race, the cloud of witnesses. All of our brothers and sisters who have gone before us who have finished the race, right? They've already completed it. And they're cheering us on. That's the cloud of witnesses. And we have a duty to encourage each other. But this too verses of the 12th chapter there's a we could spend a lot of time on hebrews couldn't we these two verses in the 12th chapter of hebrews give us a lot more to talk about and so i asked my sister-in-law to give me some tips about running marathons some advice and i didn't print it off so i have to read it off of my phone it's very tiny So give me a little bit. So these are some practical terms. She she gave me kind of two sets of of tips. And so these are kind of the the physical, what you bring into the race. All right? And she told me, she said, you know, my my brother laughed when when, uh, he found out that I asked her this because she doesn't do a lot of prep. We'll talk about that here in a little bit. But she says, here are some practical things. Get the right shoes. Get the right shoes. That makes sense, right? Have professionals look at it. Make sure they are appropriate types of shoes for your feet and running style, right? We all run a little bit differently. Our feet are all different shapes. Don't go to the you know, dollar store and pick up a pair of shoes, right? If you want to run a marathon, get the right shoes. Makes sense. During the race, pace yourself called a marathon for a reason pace yourself just keep putting one foot in front of the other a marathon's about 40 or 50,000 steps depending on your stride have fun talk to other people she says i learned things that i hadn't done before and i don't focus on how tired i am i enjoy enjoy reading the signs that people put up Enjoy talking to other people on the way. 
Try to hydrate often. Try to hydrate often. What are you bringing? Are you well hydrated? But don't overhydrate. Every year, a couple people die during marathons from drinking too much water. And ask yourself, this is my favorite, and it kind of leads into what I'm going to talk about. Ask yourself, do I really want that before eating any of the race snacks during the course? There are people along the marathon who are happy to give you food, right? And that's a very nice thing. During various marathons, I have been offered, this is my sister-in-law, beer, bacon, pretzel sticks, chocolate cookies, slabs of chocolate, and chili. They might sound good in the moment, but think about what's going, how it's going to feel 20 minutes later. Some practical tips. And she gives us some good psychological tips here in a second. But I want to talk about these practical tips because what she's telling us is before you go into the marathon and while you're running, think about what you're bringing with you. If you don't have the right kind of shoes, you might be in trouble. It's going to be a lot easier to run a race with well-fitted, quality shoes than putting two cinder blocks and tying them to your feet. It's going to be a hard race to run. Or wearing dress shoes. Or wearing flip-flops. I've seen people do it. Know what you're bringing into. Think about the food that you're putting in your body, right? Before the race. You know, maybe going to the Olive Garden an hour before the marathon, not the best idea. I can't believe somebody, I can't, the day before or maybe the day after, right, would be fine. You know, I can't believe beer. That seems like the worst possible thing you could drink during a marathon while you're running. Think about what you're putting into yourself. The, the preacher of Hebrews says, Throw off any baggage. Throw off any baggage. What he's telling us is, be careful what you bring with you to this race called life and this race called faith. Because if you bring too much baggage, especially the baggage of sin, your race is not going to go well. You're going to get burdened down. You're going to get tired quick. You're going to hit a wall. You're going to stop and throw up, or maybe you might even die if you're not careful what you're bringing with you. Are you bringing shame, guilt? Are you holding a grudge? Are, are, are you, are, of course, you know, we talk about sin. Are you, you know, uh, uh, obsessed with something? Are, are you just in the midst of addiction? Can you not let go of something? What are you bringing in with you to this race called life? Recently, in my humble opinion, I have noticed many Christians, self-proclaimed, who seem to be bringing a lot of anger into the race called faith. And yes, there are a lot of people who are bringing that into the race called life, but especially there seems to be a lot of Christians And anger can be an okay thing if you are angry for the right reasons. Jesus got angry when people were being manipulated and exploited at the temple and he started throwing over tables. But what are we being angry about? I see a lot of Christians being angry because maybe their privilege is being, you know, encroached upon. 
Or maybe their way of life isn't the way of everyone else's life. Or some of them are just angry. And they are letting that anger consume them. They're not on the track anymore at that point. They're not running the race. They've gone off the rails. We can be angry for injustice. We can be angry when people are put down. We can be angry when people are hurt and suffering for no reason. No one should be hungry in this world. And that makes me angry because I know there's people that are hungry. I know there's children who are starving to death and there's no reason for it. We have enough food in this world. In this nation, we have enough food to feed the entire world. I know it's not an easy situation, but I do know we have enough to feed everyone and yet people go hungry. That's something worth being angry about. Am I angry because somebody I don't like is using my bathroom? It's not a reason to be angry. Right? Am I angry because, you know, name, name it, just name it. Just go on Twitter or Facebook. 30 seconds so angry the author of hebrews says throw it off throw it off you're never going to look like jesus if you're holding on to that you are being weighed down by the chains of guilt sin shame anger hatred you are being weighed down you are off the track you've been thrown off course you're on the sidelines vomiting your brains out because that beer and pretzel looked good but it wasn't it wasn't how do we do that? It's hard, right? It's hard. The author of Hebrews gives us means. Means. A way, a means to be able to do this. And I want to share these insights from my sister-in-law along those lines. These are kind of psychological suggestions. The mindset of the runner. She says, I don't really train for my marathons. It just gets to be time for one, and I just do it. In a way, well, it is. <laughs> In a way, I think that's like life. Don't beat ourselves up too much because we're only human. We can't do everything. Try to do our best, even if it's just to train, even if you don't train as much as you had envisioned when you signed up for the race originally. The other reason I run marathons is that it's just about improving myself. It's not about judging myself against others, but challenging myself to run a little faster, feel a little bit better after a run than the last time I did. And she says, I also run marathons because there's like-minded people that I meet. Like-minded people. So what is our means? What keeps us going? How do, we, how do we keep running? Well, the author of Hebrews gives us a means, and that means is steadfast endurance. That means is perseverance. You know, my sister-in-law said, I don't train a lot. And if you ever, she eats just the most ridiculous things. I, I mean... She'd eat like 40 pounds of meat a day if she could. <clears throat> but she does it. And <laughs> she can still run marathons. 
but she she gets to that point where she's ready to run and she just she just does it she runs she doesn't give up she says it's not about it's not about winning it, it it's not about judging against other people it's about running the race that's in front of me it's about running my race i think that's so perfect it's about running my race the means that we are given is the steadfast endurance of the holy spirit the steadfast endurance and it's not the kind of endurance or perseverance that just kind of gives up on life like okay you know I'm not going to succeed. I'm not going to do it. No, it is, yes, I can continue to do this. I'm going to put one foot in front of the other. You know, it's just 40,000 steps, right? It's just 50,000 steps, one step at a time. I'm just going to keep running. I'm not going to focus on this or that. I'm not going to focus on how hard it is. I'm just going to put one foot in front of the other, and I'm going to keep running. And that is the means that we have. We have been given the ability to endure. We've been given the ability to persevere. And we can do that in a lot of different ways. We're going to talk about how we fix our eyes on Christ next week. And we have, we've already talked about this great cloud of witnesses that surrounds us, that encourages us, that builds us up. But we have been given tools. We have been given the equipment. You know, we, we talked about the things we need to let go of. But we have the equipment that we need to run this race, to endure this race. You know, in the Methodist church, we say we have a quadrilateral. We have four powerful tools at our disposal to equip us in our faith. Scripture, the Holy Scripture experience, tradition, all of our Christians who have ever lived, right? Our reason, our own mental capacity. All of these things allow us to persevere when we come across a wall. How am I going to do this? Well, what does the Bible tell me? What, what have Christians throughout the centuries done? What is my experience? Have I come across a wall like this before? Or just, you know, with, with my rational capacity, how can I figure this puzzle out? How can I overcome this next obstacle? How can I persevere? How can I keep going? How can I keep running one step, one foot in front of the other? We have a, a vision at Christ, but Christ gave us the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit continues to encourage us, to lift us up. It is God in us. And when we feel downtrodden, the Holy Spirit can lift us up. When we feel like we are off the track, the Holy Spirit can help push us back into gear. When we feel like we have been defeated, the Holy Spirit can empower us, enliven us, transform us even, give us new energy to keep running the race. And finally, the, the, the greatest gift perhaps, because that's kind of all personal, the greatest gift we've been given is the church. The greatest means that we have to persevere is one another. The example that we've shared, the encouragement that we've shared, the love that we share, Christ's body, the church, the gift that Christ gave us, the Holy Spirit and His church.
allows us to persevere. But that's only when we are all running the race together. It's only when we are all running the race together. It's only when we are all dedicated to perseverance. If some of us are standing on the sidelines throwing up and some of us are standing on the sidelines telling others that they're not running well enough, it's a little bit harder to persevere. So we need to challenge ourselves not only to keep running, but to continue to encourage one another in all that we do. So I thank my sister-in-law for her wisdom. And next week, we will look at some wisdom from um, some professors of mine, but also from Christ himself as we complete our race. Amen. Let us respond to that news, running the race, with the Lord's Prayer, the prayer that Jesus Christ taught us. It will be on the screen. Let us pray this together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let us now transition to the prayers of the people. Mind you to keep Bob and Carol Butler in your prayers. Bob is at Van Mater. Uh, sounds like uh, up for visits if you... Have some time this week. Give them a call. Give them a visit. Give Carol a call. Let you know you're thinking about them doing well. So uh, continue your prayers for Bob and Carol. Let us pray, and I will offer a time to lift up names as well. Let us pray. Lord, you have laid out a race before us. We pray for strength, endurance, and perseverance as we run this race. We know we do not run alone, and now we lift up in prayer all of our fellow runners. Lord, we pray for those who faithfully run the race, those who lead by example and rely fully on your grace and mercy. Continue to lift them up so they may continue to set pace for us all. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, we pray for those who have stumbled and struggled in the race, those who have fallen under the weight of their sins in this world, we pray for those who have been wounded and those who find themselves hitting a wall. Encourage, strengthen them, Lord, in your mercy. Lord, we pray for those who have given up on the race. Although their choice was their own, sometimes our actions and the actions of our local churches push people off the path. Grant them your grace and compassion and allow us to continue to bring them back into the race. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, we pray for those yet to enter the race. People of all generations and nations who have not heard your good news or not taken it to heart. Build us up as your body, the church, that we may be a light to all people and encourage the race to come. Lord, in your mercy. Now, Lord, we just lift up any name to your grace and compassion this day. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, in your mercy. 
Lord, in your mercy. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, in your mercy. My Kefauver, Lord, in your mercy. Lord, thank you for your example in Jesus Christ and thank you as you run the race along with us and as we are supported by the great cloud of witnesses. Grant us your will, your peace, your hope, your joy and love as we run this race together. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Let us now uh, collect our offering for the work of our church. As we do, um, taste of new life after worship today. Feel free to stay. I'm sure there's plenty to eat. Um, some highlights from annual conference this year. Of course, we had general conference, which is all of the United Methodists in the world. And after a tumultuous annual general conference, we are still the United Methodist Church. And the bishops, uh, the uh, Council of Bishops is meeting on ways to perhaps facilitate our continuing debate between human sexuality in our denomination. And so we are looking for ways to come together and still be a church yet have different opinions on that particular topic. Um, so good and, and, and not good and all that kind of stuff, but generally good things from General Conference. We collected a lot of items for the... Uh, United Methodist Commission on Relief has various disaster kits, and we uh, collected a whole bunch of school-related kits uh, this year, and I don't know what the number was. But we also did a Bishop's Appeal offering for the uh, Rosecrans, which is uh, a United Methodist uh, a ministry here in Rockford that helps young people who are dealing with addiction. And we raised at annual conference $60,000 for Rosecrans. And the district which had the most given was our district, Rockford. So um, that's uh, worth celebrating. And I know uh, my boss is excited about that. Um, Lisa, our district superintendent. So uh, good things about that. My, perhaps my, um, the, the best news at annual conference this year for me personally was four years ago, you know, kind of four years are big things in our church. Uh, four years ago, we we're kind of at the verge of selling our two camps. Our annual conference has two camps, um, Reynolds Wood in Dixon and Wesley Woods in Lake Geneva. And those are two Methodist camps that we own. Those are United Northern Illinois Conference United Methodist camps. And four years ago, we were talking about selling one or both of them because we didn't think we had enough money to either fix them, continue to do activities, and we just didn't know what to do, so we hired a new director of, minister, of campus ministry, camp ministry, and four years later, not only have both of the camps been revitalized, not only have both of the camps had all kinds of work done on them, but the camps are going to break even this year, and there's a waiting list for activities and, um, you know, a... Uh, uh, reservations for groups to use the camps 
over a year from now. So, uh, I mean, as, a, as someone who grew up at those camps and, and loves those camps, that was excellent news that we were able to turn something that looked like it was failing and we were able to turn that around and make something excellent of it. Of course, we always celebrate the ordination of um, both commissions and fully ordained candidates at annual conference. We also celebrate all of those clergy and staff of the annual conference who have passed away and also all of those clergy who are retiring um, in those, at those special services. And we celebrate various ministries. And, and it is, I mean, for all the arguing and um, all of the legislation and all that kind of stuff that we have to do, it is a very encouraging time to get together with a thousand United Methodists in the same room and, and celebrate the ministry that we are doing, including the ministry we're doing here at New Life. Um, and speaking of that ministry, uh, we, uh, we had, where's Charlie? Uh, we had one of our other families show up after, after you went home. Um, so they got lost, but they found us. Uh, so, <coughs> so after this week, uh, we have helped over 80 people with the Paper Angel Closet this year. And that is double what we helped last year at this time. So we are on good track to continue to grow that ministry and help that ministry. Again, there we're looking at all kinds of different ways to help that ministry. I remind you, VBS starts tomorrow at Prince of Peace, and it will be done next weekend. Oh, if anybody still has, if you signed up for something, to bring something, um, for if you signed up last week to bring something for VBS, go find Whitney um, and give it to her or tell her when you're going to get it to her, like tomorrow. So, because uh, we'll need it probably by Monday. Uh, so, yeah, please uh, find Whitney and let her know. All right, is that enough? That seems like enough. Let us move towards our act of confession. As brought to us by Nancy C. Thomas. Different Nancy, not my sister-in-law. Lord of power and... Com- we, let's, we do this together. Lord of power and compassion, we are so overwhelmed in these times with fears. We fear that we will not have enough of whatever we need to survive. We fear the anger and hostility that abides in the world, in our own country, and in our own neighborhoods. All around us is anxiety about living. And we draw into ourselves as we response to the needs. We want someone else to take care of those in need. We want someone else to fight our battles for us. We want someone else to stop the darkness. We feel as though we are drowning in the depths of despair. But you, O Lord, are the bright light, the power to heal, the reassuring hand of comfort and strength. You offer to us healing love, strength for our exhausted souls, courage to face whatever comes, with the full confidence that you are with us in all these times. Forgive our weaknesses and our little faith. Let us take a moment of silence. Let us take a moment of silence to bring to God whatever is on our heart. Amen. God is reaching out to you today. 
God offers healing and encouragement out of God's great love for you. It is a free gift, continually given by God. Thanks be to God. Amen. We come to the table thanking God for all that we have been given, expecting encouragement, perseverance for the race that is before us. We'll talk about it next week. The entire 11th chapter of Hebrews is all about those people who ran their race and ran it well. That the author reminds us that not everyone wins their race. Not everyone finishes well. Not everyone sees the glory of first place. But we still run. We still run. Because we believe that where we are running to is worth it regardless of our personal outcome. Whether we receive glory or not, whether we receive riches or not, whether we're happy or not. And I think as we remember the sacrifice Jesus Christ came for us, as we talk about it next week, this was not a good way to end your race, at least from the perspective of the world, hanging on a cross, being executed as a criminal, mocked and humiliated. A crown of thorns, not a crown of branches, not a crown of gold, but Christ ran that race anyway. Because He knew even though it didn't look glorious, it was the race that needed to be won. The race that needed Him to be part of so that we could all run. And so we come to this table, we are all invited. We are all one. And we remember on the night Jesus was betrayed, He took bread like this, giving thanks to God. He gave, thank, gave it to His disciples, breaking it and saying, this is My body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of Me. After the meal, He took a cup like this. He gave thanks to God. And giving it to His disciples, He said, drink from this all of you. This is My blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of Me. Lord, we pray in remembrance of Your mighty acts of Jesus Christ that You pour out Your Holy Spirit upon all those gathered here and upon these gifts of bread and wine. Truly make them be for us Your body that we may be Your body, the church, redeemed by Your blood for this world and the next. Make us one as You are one. Amen. Ask my servers to come forward. As I invite you to the table, I remind you to let the band go first. To receive a piece of bread, dip it in the cup. This is the body of Christ broken, that you may be Christ's body of the church. 
And this is the blood of Christ shed, that you may be forgiven and have new life. The table is set. Come and eat.